Here we are, the start of another year. How good does it get? God is amazing, isn't he? Tell you what, when we're stepping out into something new, whether it's a year, whether it's a venture, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is, you know, we want to know that God is with us and his hand is upon us. Pastor Mike and Liz send their greetings. They've had a great uh, family holiday this year. And uh, Pastor Mike was saying, you know, it's possibly the last year they'll all be together with all of the kids at home. So they've had a very, very special time, but I know he's just busting to get back here. So he'll be back here next Sunday. And uh, we're going to have a great, great Sunday. So do be praying for them, bless them. And uh, look, today I want to talk about something God really laid on my heart for this morning, about waiting with expectancy. You know, in life, I think we are always waiting for something. We're waiting for a dream to come to pass, waiting to meet the right person, waiting for a problem to turn around. Much of life is spent waiting. But you know, there is a right way to wait, and there is a wrong way to wait. You know, we're a family church, and, and we have lots of dedications, and sitting out amongst you there, there's a, a couple of ladies that are sort of growing week by week, month by month. I was talking to Rickaline and uh, she's due on February the 4th. You know, there's a whole process and journey, a natural one, of uh, expectancy and, and bringing to birth a, a child. And it's a process, and we all know it takes about nine or ten months or round about there, and the process uh, goes through. Th this is what amazes me and, and always has. And that is when you look at the mums, you know, I mean, it's really, really hot at the moment and, and it's difficult for those that, that are carrying a child. But there's something about a mum that's carrying a child and then the child is born and then, you know, feeding the child and all of those things and all of the energy and the life that's taken out of them. But they always, you know, if everything is all, all goes well, I mean, they just look great. They, they look just full of energy. And then where does that energy come from? You know, I hardly got enough energy just for myself, let alone carrying another life in me and, and bringing it to birth. But, you know, God has made us in, in a special way that mums can go through that process and be energized and have life and power that goes beyond themselves to someone else. And I believe that that's a, a, a factor, a, a real picture to us of waiting for God's promises. God's promises, waiting for them, is meant to be like that. Look what Isaiah said. He said, those who wait for the Lord, what, what will happen to them? They will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. You know, waiting with confidence on God's promises, energizes us. It gives us a peace. When you know that God's given you a promise, even though you don't see the result of it immediately in front of you, you have that peace, you have that sense that this is the right thing that is happening. Although the evidence doesn't say it's the right thing, you know in your heart that it is that strengthens you to go through the challenges to receive the promise that God has for you. The Amplified Version says this, explains what the word wait really means. You see, because a lot of people just think when we are waiting for something, you do nothing. You're just passive. And there's no energy, there's nothing put into it. But 
the Amplified explains it better. It says this. It says, for the word wait, it says, those who expect, who hope, who look for God's goodness. So waiting is not passive. It's actively expecting. You think of the mother expecting a child. You know, and every husband, father-to-be, or father that already is, but it's going to be again, knows the sort of process that happens. You know, one o'clock in the morning, oh, I just feel like some Burger King would be great right now, you know, and, and being the loving husband, of course, you jump up and say, of course, one o'clock in the morning is a great time to Burger King. It's only 20 kilometers away to the closest restaurant, but I'll go and do it for you. But all sorts of stuff sort of happens. But other things happen. The house changes. One bedroom that was you know, looking fine, had a couple of bunks in it. It was okay as far as us blokes are concerned. Was It's got to be cleared out. You know, the bunks have got to be going. And look, let's paint it. And, and think, yeah, that'd be great. Get a nice sort of beigey colour, grey. No, pink, you know, pink. Yeah, well, pink would be lovely. Of course we'll paint it pink. I mean, there's, there's all sorts. The, the mother goes through that process of preparing the nest. It's all a part of that nine-month... God's put a process in place for when the promises received, there's a preparation and a work that goes into making a place for that child to come into. And of course, there's all sorts of baby clothes appear and Nana gets in on it and some of the sisters and, and uh, everybody sort of gets involved in what's happening. It's preparing the nest for the promise that is to come. And God's promises... When God promises things, there's often there's practical things that we can do to both to speed it into being, but also to ensure that when it comes, that we will be ready for what is promised. And so we pray, we believe, now I'm looking for God's goodness. I'm expecting my health to improve. I'm expecting new doors to open. When I come into 2019, what am I expecting? I'm expecting a great year. It's going to be an awesome year. And it will be for you as well. I remember one church we were in, and uh, we'd been at, at the beginning of the year, and most of the churches that we've run, we've had a season of prayer. And, and, and this year, we were praying, and the word came this, prepare the nursery. You know, it sort of was just like a, a prophetic word to us. And, but, you know, what, what it did is, is it made us think, you know, we are praying for God to bring new people in. And then we went... All of us as a team, we went and had a look at the nursery, looked look at where, they, where they first the children come into and the mums come into. It was just a pokey little room. It had no light in it. And, and we, we just realized that God was saying to us, you know, if you really mean business, if you're talking about praying, don't expect me to do everything. You start preparing. You get the place ready. I'll send the people, but I want them to come into an environment that they're going to, uh, where my name is going to be honored and people are going to stay and grow. David understood this principle. In Psalm 5, verse 3, he said, Each morning I bring my request to you, and I wait expectantly. When you're waiting expectantly, when you come before God and say, this could be the day. You know, breakthrough could come. I, I, I have a, a little, I guess you'd call it a, a little business thing that happens every now and then, and, and uh, if I do something, I get some money sent to me. And... They always send me, they send me a, a letter from, from America with a date on it and when the money's going to come in. And, and, um, and, and usually it says it could take two weeks to get to you. 
well, you know, I've, got the pro- I've done the work, I've got the promise, the amount of money that's going to come. I mean, I don't wait till two weeks before I look into my bank account. Every morning, I'm flicking it up because I'm expecting it to come early. When it comes five days early, it's woohoo! I get really excited about that. I'm pretty easily inspired and encouraged when things like that. But you're on the lookout. The expectancy that's in your heart is faith being released. You know, there's an expectation of good things that will come from God. David's attitude to life was, these two verses really help us. Number one, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David expected God's blessing. He wasn't looking over his shoulder, look, expecting trouble to come. David had heaps of troubles coming for him, but when he was looking over his shoulder, he wasn't looking over for trouble and for King Saul to chase him and for his enemies to to come and gain some ground on him. When he's looking over his shoulder, he's looking at what? He's looking at goodness, loving kindness, following him all the days of his life. And you are exactly the same. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. In Psalm 27... All kinds of bad things were happening to David. Vicious enemies were pursuing him. People were lying about him, falsely accusing him. But in the middle of that psalm, this is what he says. He said, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait, expect, hope. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Do you know it takes more courage to expect an answer from God than to be passive. When you're passive, you don't have to do anything. You just sit down. You don't have to express any faith to anybody. You don't have to stretch yourself. You don't have to put any effort into it. So you are passive, and you're not really expecting an answer to happen, and usually that's exactly what happens. The answer doesn't come, and it's because of the passivity. There's a place of reaching out. It takes courage to reach out and to believe that things will work out. David knew his God. Excuse me just a moment. David knew his God. You see, faith is not based on feelings. What does it say in Hebrews? It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith is not based on your feelings or your emotions. It's based on the promises of God's word. That's the sure foundation. What does God say about himself? I am a rewarder of those that seek him. You know, sometimes people think this a little bit strange, but this is how I look at my relationship with God, and I believe it's exactly the same for you. I believe I'm God's favorite. Isn't amazing? I believe God, sometimes I just almost sense his presence around hugging me, patting me on the back, saying, go for it, Bob. It's really, really awesome. You know, we've got um, three, I've got three amazing daughters. Haley here, she's going back to Australia tonight. We're going to miss her. But she's my favorite daughter, you know? <laughs> then, then I've got Sarah's. Sarah's my baby. Well, she's my favorite. And then there's Jenny, who's older, and she's my favorite. You know, I, I don't look at them like my, they're just three. I've got three daughters. 
Each one of them is my favorite. Each one of them is special in their unique, special way. I've got granddaughters like Beatsy. Beatsy's my favorite. And she's got an awesome sister called Hattie. She's my favorite. They were my, you think, if I can have that many favorites, you know, you are God's favorite. You're not just ordinary. You are absolutely unique. There's not another one of you on the planet. And God looks at you and he loves you. He desires you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Why do you choose you? Because you're going to be a disappointment? No, no, because you're his favorite. He loves you. And that's the manner in which we need to know that God loves us. But not only that, when we seek him, he'll reward us. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. We need to know God for who he is and how he responds and what he is looking for. Look at this in Psalm 112 verse 4 in the Passion Translation. That's a good translation of the Bible, isn't it? The Passion. It says it's talking about God's people. Even if darkness overtakes them, sunrise or brilliance will come bursting through. You notice God used the word bursting. He didn't say, you know, goodness will sort of trickle through the darkness and the hard things and I get a little touch of of, of, of refreshing and, and it said, no, it will come bursting through suddenly, the suddenlies of God. I don't know how many times we've waited and waited and waited and suddenly in a moment everything changes. That's what God's like. He wants to burst through on your circumstances. Now there's a timing in it. It's like the mother and the child. The baby's not going to come at three months or six months. It's going to come at the right time. Now for your promise, your dream that you carry may take you know, three weeks, it might take six months, it might take 10 years, whatever the time gap is, it's the faithfulness of God that brings it through, and the expectation that God has spoken, and that it will happen, the suddenness, I had a good friend, and he had uh, terminal cancer, and he was at the last stages of life, he's given it the most, a few weeks to live, and both he and his wife became Christians through, uh, through the cancer through through everything that that had happened and and their life was changed in in their relationship with God and he told me one day he said he said I went out on the balcony and he could hardly walk by himself but he was sitting on the balcony and he said he said I just stood up and I talked to God and he said because he was worried about his wife because his wife wasn't well and she was quite a fearful person and he just was more worried about leaving her than anything else and he talked to God and he said God if you heal me so that I can look after my wife he says I'll serve you for the rest of my life and he said God he didn't God didn't say anything but he said I had a sense of peace and so he just left it there. Anyway, the next morning, he got up out of bed, and he went for the longest walk in his life. He walked for over an hour just to get to the letterbox and then back to the house. That's where he was at. And that exhausted him. Did it without any assistance. And then that exhausted him for the day. The next morning, he got up again. And he walked to the letterbox. Only this time, he said, I walked two more meters. And then he walked back to the house. And he just did that 
every morning and God did a miracle and uh, he was healed and, and I know there's a lot of people that face cancers and, and the healing doesn't happen but I will say this about I haven't seen anyone who's died of any sickness that's known the Lord that hasn't been at peace when they've gone and known that it was time to go home. But God suddenly broke through. You know, there's a, there's a timing in what God wants to do in your situation. You might be dealing with a situation and, and, and you know, there might be no evidence of change, but suddenly, suddenly that God will break through for you. Some of you here have had tough times. Some of you had a hard break. And then the, the danger for us as Christians is that we can just settle that, okay, let's just accept things as they are. They're not as good as they were, but we will just accept the status quo, and so you become passive again. No, God wants to, you to break through into all his purposes and everything that he has for you. Look at this scripture. Proverbs 13 says this, Trouble follows sinners everywhere but righteous people will be rewarded with good things. Trouble does follow sinners everywhere, but you will be rewarded. Those are the things. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Waiting with an expectancy, expectancy for God to work. I mean, some of the amazing thing is God sometimes just speaks to us out of the blue. I remember one time, we were, uh, had our home, and, um, and I was pastoring a church in, in Kumu at the time, and we were living out of Bethel's Beach, and, and I was at a meeting with um, the Elam National Leadership Team, and, and at the end of the last meeting of our days of meetings, one, one of the pastors turned around and had a prophetic word for all of us, and he turned to me and he said, and this was at the end of October, the last couple of days of October, this meeting, and he turned to me and he said, and Bob, you're going to be in a new house by Christmas. Well, that's, thanks, that's great news. You know, we weren't looking for a house. We, you know, our house was great. We had fantastic times there. And, uh, but, you know, the church had grown and more responsibility and, and obviously it wasn't in the right position necessarily for us. But, you know, you get a word like that, you, you know, what, what can you, you just sort of, okay, that word's there. And, uh, but we weren't looking for a house, and I thought at the time, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because a whole lot's going to happen here. God's going to have to do something for this to come about. Anyway, I got home and got a phone call that night from one of my elders who was in real estate, and he said, he said, Bob, he said, look, he said, normally I would never, ever do this, but this house has just come on the market, and you know, he said, I can't help but think it would be absolutely ideal for you and the family. And, uh, but he said, look, he said, I don't want to influence in any way. You know, he said, just, you know, whatever. He said, think about it. If you're interested, ring me back. And, and I said, I could be interested. Certainly interested to have a look. It was a Friday night. And so he made an appointment for us to go and have a look. And it was an ideal house for us. It was, it was just ideal. Anyway, the trouble was it was the weekend. And, of course, our house wasn't on the market. And we had no money. So to arrange money to buy a house, you've got to get bridging finance or do something. And, he, and uh, then my elder also said to me, so there's one other thing too, there is a couple that have put in an offer and the owners are going to sign it on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. And so that was just the other factor that was 
that was in the thing. So, oh, that's interesting. So with my elder, we went to the bank. I was waiting outside the bank to open at 9 o'clock in those days for the doors to open. We went inside and did all the negotiating and talking. And by around about uh, 9.30, 9.45, we had the bridging finance arranged. You know, so the money, we had to borrow the whole money for the whole lot plus a few months because I'd be paying interest till I sold the house. So some of you will understand how all of that goes. And anyway, so all of that was done, and then we literally ran down the main road of Henderson to where his real estate office, I've talked to his boss, and his boss says, we are treading on very tricky legal ground because an offer is being presented in, in the lawyer's office, and she's, I'm, I'm not supposed to interfere in anything that's going on. But she said, you know what? I'm going to put the phone call in. So she put the phone call in, and the owner told me later, he said he was in the office, the papers were in front of him, he had the pen in his hand, he was just going to sign this offer that had came in and the phone rang. And he said, I don't know what it was, but he said, I just stopped. And then the lawyer talked on the phone and then said to him, he said, look, let's just wait five minutes. We've got something to think about here. And anyway, to cut a long story short, that offer was never received and ours was accepted. And we were in a new home before Christmas. I mean, the suddenlies of God. We were not looking for change, but God had something better in store for us. It's living with expectancy that God will lead you and he will guide you. And he will take you to new places as you trust in him because he is faithful to his word. And he is faithful and wants you to know his favor and on his and his timetable. Some of you might say the medical report uh, might be worrying you. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times I, this happens to us all. You know, you start getting a cold, you know, you start to get sniffles and uh, maybe a bit of coughing or whatever. I don't know how many times people come to me and they say, hey, Bob, you're catching a cold. I said, what do you mean I'm catching a cold? Why would I want to catch a cold for? I, I'm not catching a cold. The cold's trying to catch me. I mean, sometimes we've got to wake up, don't we? Because if we say, oh, yeah, I'm catching you. Oh, yes, I am. <clears throat> and you start coughing and spluttering and everything else. I just say, no, the cold's trying to catch me, but it's not going to get me. I'm going to keep healthy and wear this thing out, walk it out. I mean, I've had really bad colds. Don't worry about it. But it's not because of faith, lack of faith. It's because just stepping out there and believing for it. But I can't tell you how many times I've had the symptoms come and they just disappear because they can't stand being around my faith and positiveness about how good God is. But you know, it's not just being positive. It's knowing the reality of what God has for us. In the book of James, there's an example there that James gives us. And it says here, to wait for God's promises like a farmer waits for his harvest. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the summer rains. You know, when a farmer, and if you've known farmers or market gardeners or people that do things on a big scale, they just think big. I've got a friend who's got several farms up in uh, Ruwai, up, up in that area, but I, I was amazed, you know, we, you go to his place and he'd just dig up whole paddocks of land, acres of land, and he'd be planting maize, and it seemed to me like 
like he, he was really busy and doing a lot of work, but it was like all the contractors were doing the work. You know, they come in, they'd plant the seeds, they fertilize, they do all the sort of things. You know, when, when a farmer plants his crop, he doesn't sit fretting all the time, other seeds are going to come up. You know, how is this all going to come together? He's experienced, he knows how it works. You plant the seed, you feed it, you water it, and it grows, and you get a harvest, and you, you reap from it. And waiting on God's promises, and James is telling us that's how we wait. We wait with the confidence because, you know, it's God's plan. And for you and me, you know, we've prayed. We've been there before. God has come through again, and he'll do it again. And you, you're confident in the reality that your crop is coming in. And some people might say to you, some of those never things, you know, you'll never get well. You know, your child will never come back. You'll never find a husband. You know, you'll never find a wife. You'll never find a partner. You've been single so long. It just won't come together for you. You know, you've got to know the promises of God and not listen to the negatives. My mum was telling me, my dad was an evangelist and, uh, and he was, he was full on. I mean, he was sold out for God. He made a vow to God that he was going to serve God and not get married. You know, like Paul said in the word, it's better for you to uh, stay single and serve God. And all. So he was full of that, you know, full of fire. He's an amazing uh, evangelist. The trouble is he had a series of meetings in my mum's church. And he met my mum. Well, my mum was quite a good looker. And... Uh, and he fell for her, you know, so he's got a real problem on his hands, you know, he's, God, I'm going to serve you, I'm not going to get married, and, uh, and so, and, but anyway, he did fall for her and got engaged to get married to her. But of course, he still had the struggle of serving God and, and getting married, and, 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 and he knew that his life would be really tough because he was away for months at a time doing his crusades and different things like that. It's a bit different to today's world. And he called it off. And he broke my mum's heart. You know, mum told me about it. And, uh, and I said, well, what did you do? She said, well, and mum was a prayer. And she said she prayed. And Holy Spirit just said to her, don't worry, he'll be back. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that like God? Don't worry, he'll be back. God knows us. And he was right, and we're pretty glad that he came back, and so are these kids here, pretty glad. Our grandkids are pretty glad that uh, God overruled, and they got back together. But, you know, sometimes you just got to step out in faith, an unshakable confidence that God is with us. And here's the danger of not expecting and not being positive about the reality that God is working things in your favor. Because if you're not expectant of good things, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So, you know, medically, the way that we are made, you know, there's got to be an expectancy for the future and the hope that's, that is before us. And, and if we're not expecting something there that limits our the possibility of our relationship with God, it limits so many things about your day-to-day -day life. If you're not expecting good things to happen, you miss the little blessings. You know, the smile from somebody, a free coffee, some of those things, it just does nothing for you. When you're in a place of negativity, all of those things pass by and don't have any value. 
But when you're in a place of expectancy, that's a sign. That's a sign of God's blessing. That's a little indication that his favor's upon you. That encourages you to go that little bit further onto the dream and into all that you have. Here's another thing that happens so many times is, is, this, is that we expect God to work the way that he worked last time. You know, when Israel came to the Red Sea, what happened? God said to Moses, get that rod, that stick in your hand, go and stand on that rock and wave it up in the air. And all the Israelites could see what was happening. And uh, he lifted it up and the wind came and all night the wind blew, the sea was divided. And they walked across on dry land and they were set free from the Israel army. And all of those things that happened was absolutely amazing. And that was the way that it happened. Forty years go by. They come to the Jordan River, it's in flood. Now there were some of the guys who were in their late teens when Moses stood on the rock. And they were saying to some of the others who were now about 30 and 40 years of age and they hadn't seen any of that. And, and they were saying, hey, look, we've been here. Before, we've seen this happen. This is what Joshua's going to, see that rock over there? It's not going to be long. Joshua's going to stand on it. He's going to lift his stick up, and it's just going to open up for us. That's how it works. We know how it works. And then they were watching Joshua, and Joshua wouldn't go near the rock, and, and they were talking to one another and trying to say, well, should we talk to Joshua? Should we remind him of how, how God works? This is how God separates the water, you've got to stand on the rock, you've got to hold up a stick. But you see, God wasn't going to, could have, Joshua could have stayed on the stick, waved it around for all day, nothing would have happened. Why was that? Because God was doing something different. God was doing the same thing, but in a different way. Some of you are facing issues and problems, and you're expecting God to come through the way he came through last time. But God's saying, no, I'm not going to make it easy for you this time. This time, I'm not going to dry all the land before you walk in and take everything out of the way. You're going to have to walk into the water. You're going to have to step out in faith. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. You're going to have to do a little bit of work. You're going to put a bit of effort into it. You're going to have to pray more and hear my voice. You know, I'm leading you and I'm guiding you, but this time it's different to how it was last time. But trust me, I'm the same God, but I'm leading you, but I'm showing you things in a different way. I want you to come through. You see, the farmer, when he's waiting for his harvest, he doesn't just sit around doing nothing. What's he doing? He's sharpening his tools. He's ringing his contractors. He's preparing for what's coming in. And for us in our life, if you really believe in God to come through, there are probably steps that you've got to put into place to get the promise of God and to get the dream into a reality uh, in your life. And there are things that you can do that can help you to come to that place of, being, of seeing, you know, what God is going to do in your life and your situation. Remember the four people that carried the cripple to Jesus? You know, he, the thing is with that crippled man was this. He could have stayed home and prayed for 20 years and would never have been healed. What happened? He said, Jesus is in town. Guys, you've got to carry me and take me there. Then he gets there, and when he gets there, they can't get anywhere near the door, let alone get in. He said, guys, up on the roof. And, and they started digging through the roof. When Jesus says when he saw their faith, he was healed. 
It means seeing. You know, what, what are the things that you can put into place to bring to reality the dream that you're carrying, the difficulty that you want to overcome? Can your faith be seen? When Paul was in prison and, you know, he was writing the letters, he was busy witnessing, doing all of those things, but a friend visited him and said, and, and Paul said to him, he says, hey, mate, when you go home, prepare a room for me because I'm expecting I'm going to come and visit you again. I'm going to come and be with you. I'm going to stay at your place. I mean, he was putting things into place for what was going to happen. A friend of mine was telling me the story of uh, he had a terrible accident, was paralyzed from his neck down, and uh, was in hospital, couldn't move anything. There was no message from the brain getting through to his body. And so he was just lying in the hospital bed, and... uh, and so the only view you got when you're lying down like that is sort of looking down towards your feet, I guess. There's not much else to see or to do or to look around. But, you know, he was there for a long time, and then he just started to do something. He started to talk to his big toe, and he started to tell it to move. And, and, and so he just started telling it, encouraging it, coaxing it, doing everything he could in Jesus' name to move. He started to tell the nurses that that toe's going to move soon. Anyway, one day it moved, literally moved. He said, then I started talking to the second toe and then to the, to the rest. And I mean, it was a long story. But the other thing he did was this. He got his wife to bring in his running shoes and there was a coffee table at the end of the room and he could see those running shoes there. And, and he told everybody. He said, when I leave this hospital, I'm going to be wearing those shoes. You know, it was like an act of faith. It was putting something in front of himself, like a picture that said, this is where I'm heading. This is where I'm going. I tell you, it's an amazing story. He's totally healed and, uh, and, and just an amazing uh, minister of the gospel and, and a tremendous job. So for you, you know, what are you, what are you facing? What are you believing for? You, know, you might have been turned down for a, for a promotion. Maybe you should just do a management course. You know, maybe you're not well and, and, and you're facing sickness. You know, you might, you might buy yourself a new outfit for when you're going to go out to a restaurant for the first time, when you're healed and recovered. You know, there are things we can do that say to God, God, yes, I believe you've got better things for me than what I have now. I'm not saying about doing silly things like quitting your job or, or throwing things away that you do have, but there are ways of sowing seed that puts something out there that, that triggers our faith, that our faith can, can identify within each of us. It would be a different thing that would be important to you. Some of you might be believing for a house, to get into a house, and the target might be out there without a timeline. But you know, you've got to start putting things towards making that happen. There are things that you can put into place to help you so that you do your part and then often it will amaze you exactly what God will do. And you know, God doesn't want to just bring you back to level pegging. He wants you to have more. Can I tell you one more story? You know, Maggie and I, we pastored four churches around the country, and last one was in Hamilton. And um, we were there for 10 years. It was a great church. When we went there, they were thinking of closing it down. They called us and asked us to go and to pastor the church, and we saw it build up, and we were able to shift it into a new 
premises and, and uh, you know, the incredible years. And we were there for 10 years and, um, and then it just got to the point that somebody else who was close to us felt a call to the church. And so we had to sort of weigh up, well, you know, are we to stay, are we to go? And we really felt it was the right thing and the right time for us to leave. And so we worked through the process with, with the pastor was coming in and we left. So we, we didn't have a job or anything in front of us. So anyway, so we sold our house, didn't we? We found, and, and it was interesting, like, because every other time we'd gone from one church to another church. And so that's where you're going to live. That's what you're going to do. But this time, whoa, I was free to make some choices. And so I said, I said to Maggie, number one, we're going north. It's warmer. Number two, we're going by a beach that I can swim in, not like when I was in Dunedin and you froze and you put your toes in the water. And so we bought a place at Arkles Bay and, and, and yeah, and, and all that was great. And, and, and this is what we decided. We decided we're going to live in Arkles Bay. We're going to come to City Elam. We're going to support Pastor Tim and Karen, who are the pastors here then. And we're just going to serve and, and we're going to bless. And, and so we did. We came here the first Sunday. And um, just standing about here, uh, Pastor Tim calls up Pastor Selwyn and Ann Jackson. And they were the assistant pastors here, and and they and then start saying, "No, um, Pastor Selwyn has just responded, got a call to a church in West Auckland. It's going to go and pastor there." We thought, "Oh, that's great! I mean, they're great couple, and that's really fantastic." And then on Monday morning, Pastor Luke gives me a phone call. He says, "Oh, Bob, well, why don't you come over? And uh, good to see how you're going." So I go and see Pastor Luke and. And Pastor Luke said, oh, you hear about Selwyn? I said, yeah. I said, oh, good on him. That's, that's great. You know, we want a good guy to go out, out, out to Henderson. And it's fantastic. He said, oh, would you like a job? I said, like a job? I said, what job? You know? And uh, then he started to talk about here, being, coming on staff here part-time. And, um, and I said, well, what do you want me to do? You know, he said, I'll just be on the pastoral team. But he said, I'd like you to be our missions pastor for all of our campuses. Oh, man, I mean, light my fire. Whew, I can go all over the place and see fantastic people like you everywhere. And, and you know, the, the amazing, amazing thing for me is this, is that, you know, when you trust God to lead you step by step, you know, you're not going to fall. You know, God's got something planned. He, he will lead you. You can trust him. He is faithful. Sometimes you go through things and you don't know what's next. And you may feel like you're sinking. God will never let you sink. God will let you learn like Peter did to walk on water. Peter did sink, but Jesus lifted him up and said, Hey, mate, keep your eyes on me and everything will be okay. Following God is like that. Do you know the best thing about it all is this? Is that so we come to this church and we... And we've, we just love this church. We love it the best. I tell everybody who comes to this church, it's the best church there is. And it is, you know, best of all the campus churches, all the ones who come and preach here, I tell them, oh, about time you came into our campus because it, it's the best. But you know what? And, and then Pastor Mike and Liz came and, and they, they're just such awesome people. But I tell you the thing we love about this church, and that's you. Church isn't a building. This church is you. This church is fantastic. Man, I look out at you. 
I wish sometimes some of you would just come up here and just look at everybody. What's so great is it's not all sort of pale faces, you know? It's not like all European Kiwis out there. You know, we've got a, I call it a mosaic. You know, I, I just love it. It's a little bit of, you know, dark chocolate there. There's a bit of coffee there. There's a little bit of white there. Come on. It's awesome. You guys are absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I can't tell you how much we love being a part of all that's happening here. But I want to say this, you know, whatever has been in the past for you, the best is still to come. You know, don't ever take it that, oh, there were great 10 years ago. Things were really great for us. No, the best is to come. The best lies ahead of you. Where's the, where's the team? Well, they should appear, and we're going to have a song right now. But I want to say that for every single one of you, get ready for more. 2019 is going to be a great year for you. You're going to see some changes. You're going to see some stuff coming in. God is an awesome God, and he's got an awesome awesome plan for you today.